0: This is a live read-through of Charlie Infinite, Episode 2, Scolari's Office. Story and score by TC Crosser, web developer Aaron Wong. To find out more and to read the entire episode and other episodes like it, please go to www.charlieinfinite.com. Chapter 1. Jesus christ charlie walks down a foggy dimly lit alley adjacent from the courtyard i really could do anything i wanted to but i'm just too fucking lazy apparently i'd rather just daydream crazy interdimensional wars with hot punks and pot dealers at the back of the dead end alley you can barely make out a flickering blue neon sign above a massive red door that reads scolari's office it's easier that way? As Charlie starts to approach the red door, he's greeted by Sam, a crusty old Vietnam vet. He's sitting on a chair barely held together by duct tape and string. Sam's also smoking a cigarette, and in-between puffs, sucking from a mask connected to an army surplus oxygen tank. What is it Rufus is always saying? Before Charlie gets too close, he stops to pull out another cigarette. The experiences you regale with at the bar are so much more interesting than what you write. Why can't you just write what you know? It took me so fucking long not to be pissed at him for that. But I guess I was just pissed because he's right and I'm a sad, lazy fuck, too scared to actually do anything. Charlie's halfway through cigarette and after taking a beat, walks up to the old man guarding the door. Morning, Sam. What's the good word? Hey, champ. All's well on the eastern front. Just getting off work? You know it. Time for the nightcap to kill another utter bullshit of a shift. Well, looks like Campbell beat you to it. That fat fuck. Can't show up to work, but of course runs his light, lazy ass over here. Can't say I blame him. Graveyard shifts make you crazy. Oh, buddy, you have no fucking clue. Yeah, I was a security guard when I got out of the Marines, and I thought I had seen some crazy shit back in Dan. Charlie realizes his own inner turmoil and anxieties are nothing compared to most people out here. Except for Karen. Fuck Karen. He sheepishly scratches his head as he takes a long last drag of his cigarette. Well when you put it in perspective, Charlie lets out an awkward chuckle and puts his cigarette in a metal rusty bucket next to Sam. Alright buddy, see you in a bit. Time to wet the old whistle. Sam watches as Charlie grabs onto the doorknob of the large red door and takes a deep breath. Sam chuckles to himself as he watches the rookie try to keep a cool face while opening the massive old red door. See, it takes quite a bit of strength and physics to get that door open. Charlie has to pivot his entire body just to get enough momentum for it to creak open. This door is either trying to keep people out or trap people in. Let's just hope that there's never a fire in this old tinderbox of a hellhole. The door finally gives and slowly opens to a pitch black cavern. Slowly, everything starts to take shape and Charlie recognizes his mainstay large aged oak bar that disappears into the remaining darkness. Barely lit bulbs hover over the stained wood to reveal a sea of ashen faces with their beverages glimmering against the lacquered surface. Halfway down the bar, Charlie makes out an overweight, inconvenient looking man in his late 30s. He's wearing a stretched out old Christmas tree skirt of an undershirt. The man is pounding his massive fingers on his tiny smartphone and lets out a yell. But what's the fucking point? After yelling, he appears to have seen something that mildly pleases him. He lines back, takes a sip of his drink. Well, there's the fat fuck. Look at him sitting all comfy and snug. I guess I can say in a weird way, envy the guy. doesn't have a real care in the world, and this really is all he has in life. Chapter 2 Campbell is sitting at the bar, hovering over his phone, refreshing the League of Legends Esports Scoreboard website over and over. He's waiting for the final results of the FunPlus Phoenix vs Top Esports match. I should be in bed watching them kick the shit out of Top, but sticking around is the right thing to do. I mean, FBX is going to win, but you can never play it too safe. Campbell hears the door start to creak open, followed by a rush of blinding light and cold wind. Should probably make nice now or he's gonna be fucking impossible tonight. As if compelled by some force the liquor gods, Campbell and everyone in the bar immediately scream out, shut the fucking door. Never gets old, it's the little things you know. Everyone seems to have such crazy issues. It's nice to keep a low profile and just enjoy. Sure, I could be doing better things, but what's the fucking point? There's always someone out there just waiting to take advantage of you so they can get an inch above everyone else. But again, what's the fucking point? Stupid easy job, catching up on League of Legends, drinking myself stupid. I know, how Taoist of me. Campbell's eyes adjust back to the darkness and sees Charlie making his way towards him. In his trademark high-pitched squeak, he greets his fellow graveyard shift colleague. Hey, buddy. Charlie immediately punches him on the shoulder. What the fuck, man? Ow! Damn, dude. I'm sorry. I woke up to Roberto's at like nine and just couldn't stop shitting. I think I got some fucking Mexican tapeworm. You fat fuck. Seriously. Campbell lifts up his leg, leans over to let out a loud fart. Jesus Christ, Campbell. Campbell lets out a cackle. Go Ducks! I told you, dude. Well, if you're on death's door, how the fuck did you manage to make it here? And they say we don't live in an age of miracles. Come on, buddy. I'll buy the first round. Charlie takes his seat next to Campbell and makes himself comfortable. He spots Richard, the weathered classic Marlboro man in his late 60s, down at the other end of the bar, already making their next round of drinks. Campbell and Charlie collectively let out a yell. Richard! Chapter 3 There's something in the air today. Maybe today's the day. I've been living on borrowed time anyway. Richard is cutting limes with an old paring knife and just slightly braises his thumb. Yeah, I think every day is going to be the day. I really need to stop living like this. Richard sucks his thumb to catch it before it starts bleeding. Fucking wishful thinking. The door bursts open with blinding white light and a gust of cold wind. He joins in the chorus. Shut the fucking door. As his eyes adjust, he makes out Charlie punching Campbell and taking a seat next to him. If that fucker had any clue what Rufus had in store for him, he wouldn't step five miles near this place. But I guess it's the safest place for him to be. All I can do is toughen him up and get him ready for what's coming. If only I knew what the fuck that was. I just know it ain't good, that's all. Richard starts pouring a whiskey neat followed by a whiskey sour, counts backwards to himself. Three, two, one, Richard! Richard has gotten so used to the routine, he wonders to himself, is this what hell really is? He takes a beat, grabs the two drinks, and walks towards Campbell and Charlie. Hey Charlie, what's the good word? Oh, you know, the usual, bitches ain't shit. Charlie glares at Campbell, who in retorts simply snorts. In his oddly high-pitched voice, Campbell responds, Heaven forbid you actually have to do anything for once, asshole. Those hookers causing trouble again, or did they actually cut you in this time? The one thing Richard does enjoy are all the crazy fucked up stories that come from that sleazy hotel the two of them work at. It's a small bit of respite from his duties at Scolari's office. Jesus, I had such a fucked up morning, I completely forgot. It. Crystal ran over some frat bro with her fucking car. Campbell does a spit take. What? Yeah, see, this is the shit you miss when you're passed out watching video games, nerd. Dude, I didn't even wake up in time to watch FPX and top esports. I mean, come on, Jackie Love playing against One It had to be a colossal shit show, and instead I'm here just to see how you're doing. Both Charlie and Richard look at each other slightly confused, but more just to rile up Campbell. Charlie takes a dramatic pause before he regales the two of his story of the hooker, the car, and the man wanting butt stuff. Anywho, a couple of frat bros come into the hotel all drunk. Charlie leans against the bar and imitates an incredibly drunk frat bro winking. So I'm like, how can I help you? And they're all like, dude, dude. You know how to hook us up with a good time? And I'm, of course, like, well, maybe, but you'll need a room and I can make a call for you. I'll need a deposit first to set everything up. Campbell is slamming his head on the bar laughing. He's clearly drunk already. You always have this down pat, Jesus fucking Christ. You're gonna get fired. If they were gonna fire me, they would have done it already well especially after last night i mean they hired us for christ's sake they knew what they were getting themselves into campbell lets out a snort in response oh i'm not sure they really knew what they were getting themselves into but not like they have any other options right remember the russian accountant lady uh fucking tatiana jesus christ wait so yeah yada 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 you know the drill Guys get the room, I call Crystal, 30 minutes later she comes over and I hand her the keys to said room. I'm thinking to myself, finally I can afford a pack of smokes. Wait, how much did they pay you? I'm getting there, stop taking the wind out of my sails. Damn dude, on top of what Crystal pays you, again, let me fucking finish. Jesus, this is what you get for missing out. Anywho. So about 40 minutes later, I start getting calls from guests about noise complaints. And of course it's coming from their fucking room. So I'm thinking, meh, I'll have Daniel go up there. Oh Jesus, Barney fucking Fife? So I guess you're busted? Oh no, no, no. So about 10 minutes later, Crystal comes speeding out of the elevator. I'm like, what's going on, love? And she's all like, fuck this shit. These douche bays were, were way off the fucking menu and she runs out. About 30 seconds later, I've got three frat bros yelling and fighting with Daniel, trying to force their way out of the lobby. Daniel's looking at me and I'm like, what the fuck do you think I'm gonna do? I ain't calling the fucking cops. But they get outside and Crystal is in her car, starting the engine, that old beat up Chevy Citation of hers. One of the fucking idiots throws their hands on the hood, demanding she gets out. So what does she do? She fucking slams on the gas, runs the guy clear over. He topples over the car and down to the ground like a fucking Steven Seagal movie. Hold up, are you fucking for real? Dude, you know Daniel's not gonna shut up about this tonight. So yeah guy's on the ground, clearly has broken bones. One of his buddies tries to help him up, and the other one runs back into the hotel yelling at me. Give me my fucking money back, you asshole, blah, 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 so I just play dumb. Sir, you rented the room, I'm sorry, but what you did in there is your own business. He starts threatening to sue, and Daniel comes in, so I ask Daniel, Daniel, did you see that car hit that guy outside of the hotel property? Daniel might be dumb, but he also wants to keep his job, so he goes, Oh, yeah, outside the hotel property. I guess there really isn't anything we can do for you, but we can call the cops and explain what happened. This freaks the frat bros out, and he runs out and helps the broken son of a bitch up, and they run off. Campbell leans back and rests his hands on his beer belly. You have to be the luckiest or unluckiest son of a bitch I know. Well, someone better say lucky, because this son of a bitch is buying your drink. Charlie slams down the crumpled $20 bill, and all three of them let out a congratulatory yell. As the dust starts to settle, Richard ponders for a moment. Say, Charlie, what happened this morning? Man, I have no fucking clue, but I must have taken something and blacked out. I swear to god, I saw a bunch of zombies with crazy people shooting orbs of energy or some shit. It was fucking insane. But yeah, meth is a hell of a drug, am I right? Richard tries to keep his cool, but he knows this is no coincidence. Campbell pulls out two cigarettes and dangles them in front of Charlie as he snorts. Jesus Christ, you're a fucking mess. Campbell and Charlie get up, and both of them push open the red door as they exit with the rush of blinding white light and wind. Shut the fucking door! Chapter 4 Campbell hands Charlie one of his cigarettes as they both nod to Sam, guarding his post. Sam hobbles up from his chair and lights their cigarettes. In turn, Campbell pulls out another cigarette and hands it to him. Sam salutes Campbell as the cigarette dangles from his lips. Campbell takes a drag and lets out a snort, gently elbowing Charlie. So how's the old ball and chain? Seems to be doing alright, riding my ass and pissed as usual. What did you do now? Shit, what didn't I do? Well, if I had someone as hot as her, I wouldn't be trolling around. If you had anyone, you'd probably lock them in the basement and throw away the key. If I had a basement, I'm gonna ignore that at the moment. Well, I love her. I just wish she'd put things in perspective. Campbell lets out a cackle. What, that you're fucking all the time, just not with her? Charlie takes a long drag of his cigarette and stares off into the distance. All right, before you start getting all judgmental on my ass and I don't blame you, it's important to know Look, let's take a step back and talk about Leah Patsky for a second. The best way to describe her is to mix metaphors. I yearn for her to be my North Star, but instead she's a constant reminder that I'm not the center of the universe. She is. I'm a tortured artist of sorts, and all tortured artists ultimately want to be saved. But part of being saved is that we shouldn't have to ask for it. She should be able to see how much pain I'm really in, offer herself up, and just fucking save me. But Leah? No, that's not how she rolls. She's the type of dame where whenever we have an argument and I start to tell her how I really feel about any given situation, she just matter-of-factly nukes the whole fucking thing with, so why don't you just break up with me? And this, of course, triggers my own serial monogamous codependency disorders, and I completely back down. So this back and forth has been going on for the better part of three years now. Oh, and she does pay most of the rent, and everything is in her name. I mean, not like I would know how to pay an electric bill if it were to bite me in the ass. So yeah, there's that. Anywho... I'll try to keep this as plain as possible for Campbell since he isn't exactly the Dr. Phil type and I don't have any spare crayons on hand. Come on, I'm just learning what to compare her to, but you have to admit I've been pretty good as of late. And that's right, it's been what, a week? Three months and no altercations. Uh, what about that massage you kept breaking about last week? doesn't count if you pay for it wow such wisdom well when she finally realizes she's too good for your ass send her my way oh yeah i'll be sure to send her your regards charlie text checks the time on his phone it's 10:15 in the morning huh leanne must be running late guess she really was battling that gay quarterback after all um okay buddy are you all right That is an excellent question, and one that I cannot at this moment definitively answer. At least not until Leanne gets me the weed. As if by some divine intervention, Campbell and Charlie hear the familiar rickety creaking of a shopping cart coming from the entrance of the dead-end alley. Chapter 5 Leanne is pushing her cart of grocery bags filled with weed down the alley. Cart, I'm here... No cart. I'm there. Lorraine, there. Leanne, here. Ugh. Thought she was on fucking vacation. Nope. Here we go. In and out. Out and in. You have never died. What a crock of shit. Morning, Leanne. How's my favorite leading lady? Leanne snaps out of it and looks up. The 74-year-old woman purses her lips and in a very innocent and sheepish fashion responds... Those fucker shorted me again, I swear I counted, but now I'm missing five grams, and instead I have another jar of that fucking face cream. Leanne pulls out a jar of face cream. Charlie squints his eyes and makes out in black Sharpie the words, use me. Charlie looks sympathetically at Leanne, who's clearly being teased and taken advantage of as usual. Oh no, I'm sorry, love. Well, if it's any consolation, we'd love to purchase some of your finest. Well, bless your heart. How are you doing today? Campbell lets out a snort as he digs in his pants pocket to pull out a bulging wallet. I wasn't feeling too hot last night, but after a drink, I'm doing all right. And after this, I'll be doing great. I'm sorry to hear that. Are you getting enough roughage? And there's a nagging feeling in the back of Charlie's mind. He can't stop thinking about the jar of face cream. He slowly starts to put the small, sharp fragments of his hallucination together. Say, Leanne, where were you coming from just now? Oh, just down the courtyard, making my rounds. Even the fucking elites need their fix now and again. Hell, they need it more than we do, I suppose. Why? Oh, nothing. I thought I saw you out there, but I wasn't sure. Working the graveyard shifts finally started to really fuck with my head. But the more Charlie thinks about it, the more tense he starts to feel. Something isn't sitting right with him. How is she just now noticing that fucking jar of face cream? There was an entire conversation about it with that punk rock chick. I mean, I couldn't make out what they were saying, but clearly she was showing it to her for some reason. Charlie and Leanne both feel a static reverberation that leaves both of them disoriented for a moment two worlds are thrust together and then torn apart well fuck sam beats the shit out of lorraine stops dead in her tracks well this is gonna fucking leave a mark lorraine looks around seeing campbell and charlie in front of her campbell is holding a wad of cash with a look of sheer stupidity charlie is trying to catch himself as he rubs his head deep breath There's an explanation. Leanne hasn't been able to switch on her own in over 10 years. I don't see anyone around. Fuck it, we're just gonna wing it. Sorry, boys, I think I lost my head a bit. It's been a long morning. Lorraine starts to lose her balance. Charlie immediately comes to her aid. He motions to Sam who gets up and hands over the chair. Charlie gently helps Lorraine down. No worries at all, love, I'm right here with you been a really fucking weird morning for both of us, apparently. Campbell is still standing stupefied with the wad of cash in his hand. Is everything all right, Leanne? Lorraine needs to pivot and quick. Thankfully, Leanne has so many loose screws at this point she can cover. Oh, holy fuck. She'll be at the Institute. I don't have time to think about that. Let's just take this one step at a time. Oh, did you need some of the green stuff, dear? Campbell hands Lorraine the wad of cash, finally. He looks at Charlie, who gives him a death look. That's the signal to go along and keep his mouth shut so he doesn't, so he does as he's told. Well, almost. It is Campbell after all, so he can't help himself. Thanks, Leanne. So have you been sampling the goods again? This fat fuck. I don't know what Charlie sees in him. Well, aren't you a nosy little piggy? Are you getting enough roughage lately? Charlie can't contain himself with laughter. Jesus, roughage my ass. That man needs a shop vac to unclog that asshole of his. Lorraine lets out a cackle that makes her wheeze. Sam hands her the oxygen mask, which she glad takes gladly. Well, I'm sure you can always make your way to the free clinic. Just tell me you've decided you don't want to keep it. All of them burst into laughter. Out of the corner of her eye, Lorraine sees Rufus walking down the alley. Oh, that no good goddamn son of a chapter 6. Lorraine? She must really be pushing Leanne to the limit. If she goes any further, she'll completely fry her. Not like she's already fried as it is, I suppose. Rufus, in his tailor-fit sharkskin suit and tortoiseshell sunglasses, is leisurely making his way to his fine establishment. For as long as he's been here, he's owned this bar. Well, I suppose you could say I will own it at some point, which in turn means I own it now. Trust me, it's only gonna get more complicated, but if you saw that stunt I pulled at the courtyard, then none of this should surprise you. Anywho, Rufus approaches as Lorraine continues to stare directly at him while Charlie and his trusty fat sidekick Campbell roll a joint. Sam, the forever obedient guard dog, waits patiently for his handout. Charlie, my boy, shouldn't you be getting some rest? Ha, rest is for the weak. Rufus gives Charlie a welcoming hug followed by a paternal pat on the back. Sam lights Campbell's joint as he squeaks while taking a hit. What's going on, Rufus? I thought you're late. Campbell is a good choice as a sidekick, blindly loyal and not smart enough to ask too many questions. Definitely keeps me from having to work too hard. "'Time is purely in perspective of the holder, my dear lad. "'Am I late, or are you simply early?' "'Campbell ignores Rufus and hands Sam the joint. "'I was by the courtyard this morning, but I didn't see you. "'Oh, you must have just missed me. "'It's been a busy morning, right, Leanne?' "'Lorraine is too tired to do anything but adapt and just go along. "'Little stitches get stitches, I suppose.' "'Campbell takes the joint back from Sam and hands it to Charlie.' Damn, Leanne, don't get me on your bad side. Lorraine gives Campbell a wry look. If only Campbell had the mental fortitude to peel back the surface of all this, he'd know better than to cross any one of us. But being Charlie's best friend affords him a sense of security that most of us would die for, have died for. Charlie lets Campbell, Sam, and Lorraine carry on as he takes a step back with Rufus. So it's on your agenda for the day, buddy. Oh, just a bunch of boring business meetings I needed to attend to. But now that that's out of the way, Rufus gaily turns his head towards Lorraine. I'll take a bag of your finest, my dear. As Rufus hands Lorraine a bunch of $20 bills from an expensive money clip, Charlie tries not to pay attention. He sheepishly looks off in the distance. Now I know this is probably where I should explain how I know Charlie and all, but I'm sure this will all make sense soon enough. Regardless of all that, it's important to know I never wanted any children. There's too much at stake, and also, add raising a son, ugh. But Charlie is no ordinary boy, and I'm sure you've figured that out by now. Lorraine hands Rufus a bag of weed while she eyes him suspiciously. Rufus takes out a small antique ceramic pipe from his coat pocket and puts just a pinch of pot into it. He sees Charlie trying not to pay attention to the large bag of weed in his hand. I've had to continuously inspire this kid to walk through hell and then bring him back from the brink, each time with a fresh new battle scar. But when you're dying clothes, it takes multiple washes to get the most opulent of colors. We'll all be on the same path eventually, no matter which opposing direction it takes to get there. Rufus puts the ceramic pipe to his mouth as he tosses the bag of weed to Charlie. Charlie immediately catches it, and as he pulls up, and as he, and he pulls out a lighter and hands it to Rufus. Thanks, I just need a little puff. So please take the rest away from me before I cause any more damage this morning than I already have. Well, thank you as always, Rufus. So what's all this damage you've been causing? Oh, nothing to write home about. Just stupid people trying to interfere with deals they have no clue about. Say, aren't you supposed to be resting before the big party with Leah's boss? Jesus, I almost forgot. Where would I be without you, man? Bailing me out as usual. Charlie checks his phone for the time. It's already 10.30. Leah's thing is at 4. From right now, it'll take me about an hour to get home. I might pull off three hours of sleep, but then I still need to shower and clean up. Working the graveyard shift creates this constant negotiation of time between activities and getting sleep. There really is no such thing as a regular sleep schedule when you work from 11 at night till 8 in the morning. But fortunately, or unfortunately, it's not until later this afternoon, so I can stick around a little bit longer. Don't mention it kiddo, I just don't want you getting in any more hot water with the old ball and chain than you typically are. Fair point. I'm gonna go in and grab a drink, you need one? Sure thing, I'll be right in. No worries, take your time. Leanne, can I buy you a drink? Sure, I never could turn down an offer, no matter how l- lousy the company. Chapter seven. With a gust of wind and blinding white light, the large red door creaks open. Shut the fucking door. I'm this day was going to suck from the moment I woke up. Richard puts his hand on a shotgun propped under the bars. Lorraine and Rufus take a seat. Now I don't need to remind the two of you of the rules, do I? Rufus glibly shoes Richard away with his hands. Don't worry, Warden. we'll play nice. Leanne looks around. In an instant, the bar is completely empty. Speak for yourself, Rufus. What the fuck are you trying to do here? I would ask you the same thing. Don't you think you're stretching Leanne a bit too thin today? I don't know how you did it, but I know you're up to no good. Richard's limit is being tested. Excuse me, I'm referring to both of you. The rules were put in place for a reason. Not only are both of you here, but you both broke the accord this morning. I broke the accord? You have to be kidding me. If it weren't for me, Katiana's zombies would have completely enveloped the city by now. Oh, come off it. It was purely a strategic test to ensure stability of the major bridge. A bridge the Institute has definitely been wearing down to a thin nub. Go on, check for yourself. The bridge is almost as good as new. Would have been even stronger if you hadn't gone and mucked it all up. Richard yells back. Then why the hell wasn't I informed of this? Does the Institute even know what happened? For Christ's sake, you purposely paraded Charlie through all of this. Rufus scoffs at Richard. Lorraine sits there perplexed. And then slowly, at first, she starts to piece everything together. She remains silent as she tentatively listens to Richard and Rufus. Now, I don't know what the fuck you're getting at, but my sole responsibility is to see that the failsafe doesn't get involved in any of this. Rufus wags his index finger to Richard and Lorraine and taps it on the bar, signaling him to pour them drinks. Nothing gets past the almighty and omnipotent institute. Of course they already knew this would happen and if they thought this was going to have any adverse effect on their monopolization of the bridge, this entire place would be swarming with agents. But I look around and, huh, seems as peaceful and as quiet as the day I first declared this a place, a sanctuary for all travelers. Lorraine finds, finally finds her chance to interject and steer the conversation in the right direction. No, not you, not yet anyway stop taking credit for things that haven't begun yet the institute might be willing to over to look the other way for now but i for one am not going to let you boldize your way through space time treating it like your own personal plaything oh come off it lorraine if i really wanted to cause some damage or really wanted to treat this place as my own personal plaything then why are we all sitting here in the first place exactly Why did you bring me here from the Institute? Just so you could gloat? Wait, I'm sorry. For fuck's sake, we've been at each other's throats for so long, I've forgotten what started it all in the first place. Do you really think I brought you back? Maybe Leanne is a little bit more intact than you'd like to admit. Oh, come off it. If you didn't, then who did? A mischievous grin slowly spreads across Rufus's face. If you didn't switch, and we both know Leanne can't ever since Cincinnati. And as much as I love thinking I could snap my fingers without your consent, it's simply not possible. There's only one logical explanation. Oh, for fuck's sake, Rufus, you put way too much on him. There's no way. The Institute would have already known about it. So either they are completely ignorant or they are hiding something from me. And why can't it be both? Rufus feels the hairs on his neck prick up and he realizes they aren't alone. Living in multiple timelines is a bit of a bitch, to put it bluntly. The magic trick is to trust your instincts. You feel that sense of deja vu and you know it's a future, or other, you trying to tell you something. So many yous to keep up with, but you just need to go with the flow and let the path take you where it wants to lead you. It's not safe here as much as i'd love to go gallivanting around with you i really don't have time for this lorraine starts to get up i'm not sure how exactly i'm going to fix this but it doesn't matter i just need to make it back to the safe house and then they'll know what to do rufus tries to strategize on the fly what unholy mess have i brought us into this time think rufus think the bare light bulbs hovering over the bar start to flicker as rufus feels an internal reverberation begin to course through his body oh that cheeky fucker rufus's demeanor changes and he puts his hand gently on lorraine's shoulder and looks at her with a weathered worn down look in his eyes all we have is time sarah what did you call me Lorraine initially wants to slap Rufus, but his change in demeanor has an air of familiarity to it. Stoic might be the best way to describe it, but I'm not quite sure. It's almost like that feeling when you see a long-lost friend from decades ago on the street, randomly. I want to be on edge, but I can't help but feeling a tremendous sense of, I guess ease is the best way to put it? relief washes over richard's face as he takes his hand off the shotgun and starts to pour himself a shot of early times whiskey yeah that's what i thought don't be such a stick in the mud take my hands for old time's sake i promise i'll explain everything this part never ceases to amaze me and being in such close proximity to a switch it's definitely gonna feel like a bit of a bitch. Lorraine takes Rufus's hands begrudgingly and closes her eyes. Richard takes a shot, and as a shot glass touches his lips, everything around them freezes in place. Chapter 8 Lorraine and Rufus open their eyes simultaneously, taking a giant gasp for air. As Lorraine's sight comes into focus, she sees a skinny young man in his early 30s sitting across from her. He's wearing round tortoiseshell glasses with beige yoga pants and a matching tunic. At first a trickle, and then a rush. I remember now. Aaron, oh my god, we did it. Rufus's sight adjusts, but it takes him longer to recall what is happening. He becomes disoriented and throws his head to the ground as he continues to gasp for air. Sarah immediately grabs him. He looks up to find a toned young woman in her early 30s in a flowing beige caftan with flowing natural black hair. Aaron, just breathe. You're safe now. We're home. Slowly a flood of memories sweep over him and he takes one giant final gasp of air as he catches himself and regains his composure. For fuck's sake, that was harder than I thought. As everything starts to fit into place, Aaron looks at Sarah. There you are. I guess Man. Sarah, oh my god we really fucking did it the two of them now fully intact embrace Sarah leans back grabbing Aaron's face and staring gently into his eyes I didn't realize it would take two full lifetimes to finally find you Aaron it really fucking worried me Sarah punches Aaron on the shoulder but he seems distracted there's something he's not telling her Aaron takes a moment to ponder how he should respond. It took six and a half lifetimes just to get to the Institute. But that would be, I mean, I started to lose track at 700 years, give or take. Sarah stops motionless. She can't fully comprehend what Aaron's experience or more aptly put experiences have done to him. Oh love, I'm so sorry, I, I can't imagine. She looks up at the clock. There's a black Sharpie marker pointing to high noon. The time is now 12, 12 p.m. She continues on while still looking at the clock in befuddlement. 12 minutes? Yeah, time really is irrelevant, isn't it? There's a sadness. No, something else. After over 700 years and a mere 12 minutes, how is he even able to comprehend his own existence? Aaron just seems to ponder off in space as if he was just waiting for the chance to go back. Sarah knows that look. He needs to extinguish that thought because as soon as possible. You're joking, right? You just said time was irrelevant and the Institute. Come on, we were sworn enemies for Christ's sake. Oh, leave Jesus out of this one, love. I know, I wanna stay too, but I can already feel the thread unraveling and we need to finish this. No, you promised we promised either one of us and we're out just then there's a knock on the door it startles sarah and she gets up to answer it she opens the door to see a blindfolded young man in a tailored black suit holding an envelope the man gives sarah fright but before she can see her do anything he says you were never born Aaron replies from the other side of the room and you have already died sarah bursts out in laughter The young man remains emotionless, hands her the envelope, and then walks away. Aaron knows Sarah has many questions that need to be answered, and many more he simply cannot. We need to go back, Sarah. It's real, all of it. Sarah composes herself and looks back at Aaron. Of course I know it's real. But how, Aaron? It would've taken, I mean, finding this actual reality while this moment, right here, right now, as fleeting as it might be. It's worth it. We're still here. I love you so much. You are my best friend, my colleague, my everything across the entire span of space-time. But we need to go back. You need to trust me, you fucker. I know, but hey, what's another 12 minutes? And what am I supposed to do? I mean, the fucking war, Aaron. Aaron puts his index finger gently to her lips. Spoilers. The two laugh at the absurdity of it all. Two best friends set out to test the very fabric of everything. And now look at them, just standing here, right where it all began and where it will inevitably end. Tens of hundreds of years of experience, all within just a couple minutes. Aaron opens the manila envelope and pulls out a single piece of paper It's a page with incredibly detailed and ornate black circular illustrations. He awkwardly rotates the paper back and forth. Oh, for fuck's sake, give it here. You were always so shitty at this part. Sarah grabs a pen from the table and draws a line through the illustration. It glows a brilliant blue. Sarah winks at Aaron as the entire room begins to reverberate with incredible intensity. See you on the flip side. Chapter 9. Two worlds are thrust together and then torn apart. In an instant, everything unfreezes as Richard takes his shot and slams it to the bar. Richard shakes off the disorienting feeling as he swallows his liquid courage. Lorraine and Rufus gasp for air as they both slam their hands against the bar. Look, you've never known me to ask questions or to meddle. But after keeping the peace for nearly 30 years, we both are coming dangerously close to crossing the line. Rufus and Sarah slowly shake off the intense reverberation they experienced. Sarah looks back at Rufus, whose demeanor has already returned to normal as if they were never reunited in the first place. She knew this would happen, but it still stings. She looks back at Richard. A wave of emotions pass through Sarah. Richard, that's right. It's the price we pay. Time. It's a broken mirror. Your mind decides which fragments you can look at and which ones are buried. Well, I suppose Aaron's right. It was worth it. Sarah lovingly puts her hand on Richard's weathered face. Richard, I'm so sorry, love. It was just a misunderstanding. Richard initially backs away, but Sarah is persistent as she looks back at him pleadingly. She watches as his expression turns from anxiety to relief to resting on a tone of melancholy. Richard puts his hand on Sarah's. She's back. finally took her long enough, but whatever Rufus did back there seemed to do the trick. It's nice to have you back, Sarah. I never could pull the wool over your eyes, could I, Richard? Only took 200 years, but it's good to see you again. Richard leans over the bar and gives Sarah a bear hug. I know she doesn't have much time, fucking goddamn Institute. Might as well try and make the most of it with both of them here finally. Rufus looks down at his drink and notices there's writing on the cocktail napkin underneath. He lifts up his glass. This one's for them, not you. Let him have it champ. Rufus chuckles to himself as he takes a swig of his drink. Well, aren't I a generous but cheeky bastard today? It's always a pain in the ass having your memories thrashed about in a blender. Don't get me wrong, there's that exhilarating feeling of standing at the precipice, your very existence unraveled quilt. And then, at that precise moment, God rolls the dice on whatever is her whim. Rufus snaps his fingers he ponders. It jars both Richard and Sarah as they look back at him with an inquisitive look. I'm all for a touching reunion, but Charlie, are you gaming at, Aaron? It's so goddamn annoying, I can't recall anything. I guess Aaron decided to stay behind after all. For a mastermind spanning multiple timelines and universes and personalities, I'm a serious dick. Sarah looks back at Rufus with desperate eyes. Rufus softens his approach. If I wanted to be the deceitful, conniving asshat you keep making me out to be, I would go along with this, but no. Aaron stayed behind this time. Richard can see the expression on Sarah's face is soured. He's always been the stubborn type. 30 years and the only time I've met Aaron is when he gave me this job and told me. Sarah puts her index finger to Richard's lips. Spoilers. Oh, don't give me that Doctor Who bullshit, Sarah. Richard and Sarah let out an awkward laugh. I know there are many secrets between the two of them, but I suppose it's good enough for Aaron, it's good enough for me. Richard holds back saying anything. He just continues to hold Sarah's hand. I fucking told her she was being too carefree with all those jumps, but she already knew it would come to this. She has to be the most complicated and fucking stubborn person I know. Rufus's growing impatience and infuriates Richard. I don't know if having Charlie witness your escapades in the courtyard was just a fluke, but my sole job is to ensure the protection of the failsafe, And I'm the one who gave you that job. So let's not get too ahead of ourselves there, partner. No, you are not the one that gave me this station. And I'm telling you now, because when you do give me this job, you'll realize I'm someone you can trust. Sarah breaks up the cockfight. Boys, there's absolutely no need for a paradox right now. Most fail-safes will go centuries without much of a blight breeze in the annals of history. Touching and all, but Charlie had the force to rip you out of that hellhole and into this one. No offense, Richard. None taken. We need to prepare him before we have another Cincinnati on our hands. As if on cue, Charlie bursts into the bar. He's stoned out of his mind. Shut the fucking door! Charlie runs up to Lorraine and Rufus. Jesus Christ, Christ, I can't feel my legs. Sarah pulls her hand back and looks matter-of-factly at Richard and Rufus. I rest my case. Charlie, would you be a dear and come over here, please? As Charlie approaches, Sarah takes one of the grocery bags in her cart, empties the Sram baggies of pot, and tears the grocery bag inside out to reveal an ornate set of circular illustrations. Charlie notices the illustrations. He's seen this before. I'm so fucking stoned right now. I don't have the energy to question any of this. I really just need to get home before Leah kills me. But still, there needs to be some explanation to this. Think, Charlie. Fucking think. Before Charlie can try to respond, Sarah looks over at Richard. Richard, would you hand me a pen, please? Richard begrudgingly hands Sarah a crusty old pen from behind the bar. Are you sure about this? You just got here. I was saving this for a rainy day, but I suppose extraordinary times, am I right? Sarah holds Richard's hand as she takes the pen. There's no sense in fighting it, and saying goodbye at this point would just be too painful. They keep saying time is an illusion, but that only works if you're the one bouncing to and fro in the first place. Sarah draws a line through the illustration and the paper bag begins to glow red. What's up, my love? Sarah holds the piece of paper to Charlie and looks over wistfully at Richard. See on the flip side, love. Charlie's eyes blaze a brilliant red and the entire room is engulfed in a radiating red light. A deafening tone forces everyone at the bar to brace for impact. As the entire room is engulfed in a sea of red, Sarah winks back at Richard. Two worlds are thrust together and then torn apart. In an instant, everything returns to normal. Charlie looks back as Leanne's eyes dart around, confused at where she is. He, Her eyes finally find Charlie with a befuddled look. I'm sorry, love. D- did you need something? Charlie realizes Leanne is having one of her episodes again. Clearly I was hallucinating this morning, and Leanne has just been out of sorts today. I probably just wish all that goddamn LARPing would be real, and yet another escape from this hellhole that is my life. Charlie lovingly takes Leanne's hand and helps her to her seat. Nothing at all, my love. Can I get you a drink? Oh, that would be quite lovely, thank you. Charlie motions to Richard, who starts to make a Diet Coke and vodka for Leanne. Rufus takes the drink he originally ordered for Sarah and slams it in one gulp and walks out the door. Shut the fucking door.